Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and our guest this week is Matt Wire with the Literacy Alliance. Matt, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. You are a busy person, and you have gotten busier, A, because this is our second attempt at doing a podcast episode to disclaim to our listeners, Matt is good enough to return and try this again. Back when we were in the heavy COVID period, we tried to do this remotely, and I somehow failed. So Matt is having to repeat himself, and we really appreciate him doing that. You're also busy because, as you and I were just talking about before we hit record, you are now pursuing a PhD. So tell us what inspired that and how you're fitting that into your schedule. Don't know how that's fitting into the schedule yet. I can answer <laughs> that quickly. Um, the inspiration was friends and and just future goals of, you know, what the doors open up as far as the having a PhD. Yeah. Um, there's also ego there, of course, because... There's no reason to do that without a little bit of ego anyway. Yeah, who doesn't want to be doctor, whatever exactly. your last name is. Yeah, well, congratulations. That's Thank a great you. move. And um, I know we talked a little bit, Indiana Tech has a new program where you can convert MBA credits toward your PhD, which is a pretty great thing. And actually, I considered it for a minute, but I am not as brave as you. I decided to continue on without being Dr. Giuliano. So it does knock out almost a full year off the program. So yeah. that's really handy. I think I have one class to take in that concentration and the rest is the rest of the core credits. Yeah, that's pretty great. That's it's probably the quickest path to a true PhD. Well, awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, Matt, we're going to talk about your career path, your organization, and then some of the projects you're working on. Let's start with career path because you've had an interesting one and, and now it gets even more interesting with you pursuing a PhD. So take our listeners through how you went through your life as a student and maybe surprising how that's different than how a lot of professionals end up in a role. Uh, yeah, get comfy. It's a long one, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. Um, right about the time I would be starting or ending 10th grade, I can't remember which, I started my own graphic design firm, marketing firm, and, and got a few clients from there. That ran for almost 20 years before 2008 hit, and the, the economy went downhill. Uh, and my brain said I should probably at least go get my GED. Mm -hmm. um, so the day before my 37th birthday, I believe, I signed up to take the GED on my 37th birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so were you doing, Were you, did you grow up in Indiana? Uh, partly. Okay, all right. I was, I was part of the divorce family, so I was between, uh -huh. I've lived in about, 10 states. Total, oh, wow. So, okay. So why the decision to, to drop out of school? I, you're talking to someone as you and I have discussed in the past, who is a very, very near college dropout. And I ended up muddling through, but what was the motivation to drop out? And why did you decide to go back and earn a P and earn a GED other than, you know, forces of the economy? Force of the economy, and it was very hard to find a job, yeah. even with my skill set, without at least that GED sure, in place. Sure. Um, the reason I dropped out in the first place was because I was terribly bored. Mm -hmm. um, I signed up for certain classes, and the day I got into the class, they were. T I literally dropped out my second or third week in ninth grade. So as a wow. freshman. Wow. Um, I signed up for archaeology. They put me in pottery instead because I was one of three people that signed up for archaeology. <laughs> no questioning. Couldn't change the schedule. So yeah, yeah I ended up. It, it just wasn't wasn't for me and and I was finding myself at the time and wasn't comfortable in, mm -hmm. in with my peer group and yeah. it was a number of factors and and I just ended up dropping out yeah okay so you earned the GED uh, after your 37th birthday and where do you, where do you go from there uh, I actually started at Ivy Tech mm -hmm. um, I took 
maybe four or five classes there. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't quite flexible enough for somebody working full time and and trying to to get a degree at the same time. Yeah, stumbled across a couple of other programs, finished two or three courses each in each of those programs, and didn't find the right fit until I found Southern New Hampshire University mm-hmm. and and the scheduling that they allowed worked well with my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, once I finished that, I looked into the MBA program and looked around, mm-hmm. um, ended up at Indiana Tech, and that schedule also fit very, very well. Yeah. So so it sounds like you were a great prospect for online education in a number of different ways. And, and if you don't mind my asking, so you did the GED starting around 2008, if I remember correctly. More or less, yeah. And when were you enrolled? When did you start enrolling in online college, if you will? Uh, it would have been the same year. It would have okay. been a couple months after I got the GED. Right. I signed first signed up for um, Ivy Tech. Okay. So that's pretty early in the days of online education. I mean, we've come a long way since then. Very much. What was your experience like? Was it a good experience overall? Ivy Tech was interesting. They had a hybrid course, so there was a couple things that I had to take in yep. class, um, and that was what finally broke me. I think. Sure, <laughs> it was, sure. It wasn't the the class itself. It was I wanted to move at my own pace, and it wasn't working in the classroom environment as much as it was in an online environment. Got it. Got it. Um, I remember my first math class was literally waiting thirty minutes for the teacher to run around and teach people to turn on their monitors. Wow. And wow. I wanted to do something <laughs> yeah. and, and watching them do that was like, okay, this is not working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're doing all this education. You go from GED to bachelor's degree to master's degree. What's work look like throughout that process after 2008? And you say, okay, I have to do something different. Um, I went back, I've always had a computer background mm-hmm. um, with, and, and the marketing background is there, but I found without a degree, it's very hard to find any job in the marketing world, sure. uh, regardless of your skill set. Um, so I, I went in with the computer skills and ended up doing a lot of executive admin work. Um, I ended up at Tower Bank as executive admin to the COO there. Yep. I eventually moved to marketing in that area as well about yep. a year before the sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and work life was crazy. Yeah. Um, it usually is. Yeah. The MBA, I was working as a manager as well as the executive assistant to the COO at, at mm-hmm. uh, PHP. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had a team to uh, manage as well as all of the day-to-day stuff for the COO. Yeah, well, it sounded like at that time there were a lot of folks who were at Tower moved over to PHP. I know, I think Gary Shear was one there of them. There was a few. Gary came later. Mike Cahill Mike involved. Did, yes. Yeah, so you kind of went with that team? Or? Sort of. It was yeah. a few years later. It was okay. about two or three years later. Um, right. Mike didn't go immediately. A couple okay. of people did pretty quickly, but yeah. there was... Maybe six or seven of us at one okay. point. All right. So you, you knew some people there, and that certainly helped, I'm yes, sure. Yes, it did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so after PHP, take us from there. Where do you go after that? Uh, the first step I did from PHP is the Literacy Alliance, where I'm working as the director of communications. Okay. Um, so my main job is to get our brand out there, let people know who we are and what we do. Yep. There is a, a misconception that you know we're just teaching reading when most of our program is focused on adult basic education and helping adults get their HSE or their GED. In the state of Indiana, it's now the HSE okay. or the high school equivalency. Okay. Um, that's what a lot of our focus is on. We do skills training as well. Um, there is adult basic education mixed in there. So if they're having problems with reading comprehension, that's part of these classes. We also have pre-HSE classes, which are for people that test under sixth grade reading level. Yeah. Once they get past that, they can go into the HSE class and, and move forward from there. Okay. So tell me, this this might sound like an obvious question, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Did you seek this position out in part because of your own experience? Was it just kind of a happy accident? 
And and how does that impact your your work with the Literacy Alliance? The fact that you took, you know, in in effect, a similar path. It was a happy accident. Mm -hmm. um, it just appeared one day on my radar, and yep. and I had a misconception when I applied for it that it was teaching, you know, reading, sure. basic reading. Sure. So until I went to the website and actually did some research before the interview, that's what yep. I thought they did as well. Um, it is a complete happy accident, and it does help. I can connect with students in a way that a lot of people can't. And, sure. And most people wouldn't frame their GED, but I have the GED, the bachelor's, and the master's oh, in, a, wow. in a triple frame on my wall to show students that they can do anything they put their mind to. Yeah. How often does that come up? How often do you have the opportunity to share that? Quite often. They'll, they'll stop by my office and, and chat. I've got a couple of people that stop by every now and again that just, you know, I can't do this or, or whatever. And I look at them and tell them, you have to make the time to do it. It's yeah. not easy. You have to you have to put your brain to it and you have to sure. make that decision to do it. Sure. So are people surprised when they learn about your path? Is you Some know, people are. Yeah. yeah. Some people are. Yeah. Yeah. What, is that, what does that look like? How does that manifest itself? I see, for me, I was a high school dropout most of my life. Mm -hmm. It's really only been, what, 11 years since I've had anything. Sure. So in my head, I'm still a bit of a high school dropout. Yeah. I have an MBA. Yeah. I graduated with a 4.0 GPA and I graduated at the top of my class at, yeah. at Indiana Tech that yeah. year. Um, but in my head, there's still that that sure. doubt that goes, hey, you're just a high school dropout. Yeah. I know I'm not. Sure. Um, I don't know that moving forward with a PhD is going to change that doubt in the back sure. of my head because it's been there for so long. But it's it's it does surprise some people. Yeah. Um, just because it's such an unusual path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, I, I have a similar experience where, you know, whenever I teach a class to traditional age college students, I tell them you're being taught this class by someone who definitely would have failed it when, <laughs> when I was your age. And there's no doubt about that. So, well, that's that's a great story. And, and I want to shift a little bit and talk about the Literacy Alliance, because as you noted, there's some misconceptions about the organization. So let's start sort of at the beginning. How do you describe the work done by the organization in addition? to what you've already said, obviously. What does the team look like and how does the work get done? We are a team of 15. Mm -hmm. um, there's, let's see, I have to count now. <laughs> the CEO, the, C the COO, myself, we have a volunteer coordinator now and an office coordinator mm -hmm. are the main office okay. uh, support team. There are three um, site coordinators that handle all things with the students four teachers and one that does double duty. Okay. So it's it's a small group, um, 14, 15. If my math is right today, which is probably not, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a small group. Um, everybody's very dedicated to the mission, which is to help people become self-sufficient to, to reach their learning goals and to reach their potential. Um, Again, it's it's not just reading. There's there's math skills involved. There's reading comprehension, of course. Um, but again, it, it's there mainly right now to help adults reach their educational goals and and get out of the poverty cycle if they've dropped out of school for, you know, they had a child very young or, or whatever sure. reason. Um, it, having that education opens doors for them that they wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. And I assume these services are provided at no charge. They are charged no charge whatsoever. How do how do students find you? Are they referred from other entities? Do they find you on their own? Is it a combination of those things? It's a combination. Mm -hmm. Um our website is is pretty easy to find. It's literacyalliance.org. Mm -hmm. Um but they are referred through the courts sometimes, through other mm -hmm. social service organizations. It just depends on on what the need is. Okay. And when you think about you know, the, the this again might sound like an obvious question, but you depend upon support, obviously, from a lot of different entities. 
why would you encourage someone to support your organization versus others? Why do you think the Literacy Alliance is important in our community? It does make an impact on the community. When you when you pull people out of, you know, it has a multi-level effect. When you have people that have a good job, that health have health insurance, all of that affects our community. They can put money back into the community. They can they can be a, a contributing member of the community. Their health improves, so they're they're not pulling, you know, other sure monies out of, of areas that need the programming. Yep. Um, that there's just a lot of impact areas as far as adult education and, and helping people get past that that barrier. Sure. So the, we're recording this in, in early June and we're hopefully seeing, you know, a lot of light at the end of the tunnel from the pandemic. But how was your organization impacted by that? I, I assume you had to convert to all virtual classes. And how difficult was that both for the organization and its students? It was right as I started. They had just flipped over. Um, so it was it was an interesting all hands on deck. Um, sure. They did it with a lot of grace. Um, a lot of it's hard for students that are used to in classroom experience to switch to that. Even though they did Zoom calls and the classes were all but the same, it's just without that personal connection, it was hard for some of our students to connect. Sure. Um, I don't remember what the attrition rate was. It wasn't very high though. Mm -hmm. We kept quite a few people in the program through it all and got them to their HSC, but it was it was a quick it was a pretty quick flip and, and it really only lasted three or four months before we had protocols in place. We we half the class size. We took, you know, there was six to seven feet between each person. Okay. Normally there'd be three people at a table. There was one at a table. Yeah. Um so we we did every safety protocol we could. We put, you know, cleaning regimens in place. Everybody was in a mask, all of that stuff. So we we as far as I know, we never had an issue. Okay. And, you know, in terms of the, the organization itself, what were some of the challenges that came, came with that on the, on the provider side, if you will? I think the biggest challenge was just learning the new tech. So mm -hmm. a lot of our teachers weren't used to Zoom yeah, or, or sure. any of the new, you know, they were used to teaching in person. So when they had to go to Zoom, they had to learn that very quickly. And, and there's some other software that they had to learn pretty quickly. So I think that was the biggest yeah. probably hurdle for our teachers and our students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of them, you know, didn't have that availability to get on a computer, so they used their cell phone to sure. attend the Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was probably the biggest hurdle overall. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like a, a lot like most places, oh, yeah. <laughs> just dealing with the technology. Yeah. So I, I mentioned, you know, funding. How is the organization funded? What are your, what are the sources of revenue, if you will, that that keep the the organization thriving? It's funded through several areas. There are private. A lot of our our through private donations. We get some money from the state as well from the educational standpoint. Um, but we also depend on our communities to help us out. Mm -hmm. um, we we serve Allen, Adams, and Wells counties. So okay. we're in Bluffton, Decatur, and Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, we have various locations and try to make it easy for the students to get to us on their schedule. We have a flexible schedule and there's an AM class and a PM class in most of these places. Mm -hmm. um, so it just, it does it does, we try to do that just so that they have the availability to get there. Yep. We also do an ESOL class, for, which is in English for speakers of other languages. Mm -hmm. um, again, all of this is free of charge. And, and that is right now in one one location once or twice a week. And we're looking to expand that right now. So Yeah, well, and, and I would assume, again, another assumption, and you're, you're the expert, but I would assume that now that we're back to a little under 4% unemployment, that organizations have a vested interest in helping you find people who can skill up because they need workers more than maybe as much as even more so than right before the pandemic hit. 
and and that's possible. We are looking at training programs to help, um, you know, pay for uh, fee for service training programs to go to an employer and, and maybe train up some of their mm-hmm. employees, um, be it in English, be it however. Yeah. Um, we haven't implemented that because of COVID. Sure. So it's one of those, it's sitting over here and I know it's over there and I got to get to it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, you're involved, obviously, um, in the PhD program at Indiana Tech. You have a full-time job with Literacy Alliance, but you do other things too. Tell us a little bit about some of that other involvement, or maybe that's gone by the wayside now that you're pursuing a PhD. It hasn't. Um, yeah. I've also worked with the with Supershot for the past six years, helping out with their marketing needs, some of yeah. their social media. Um, Connie has really done a great job taking over a lot of the social media side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she needs a graphic or something thrown together pretty quickly, I'm usually there to help. Yeah. Um, I did help with their uh, big campaign that was last year mm-hmm. as far as raising a capital campaign to, yep. to help pay for the building. Um, so I'm there and she knows I'm there. She's trying not to bug me much, but I keep yeah. harassing her and telling her, you know, I'm still here to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's your motivation for being involved with Supershot? I've seen the impact again, that that organization has on the community yeah. and it's a health driven, you know, it's a health driven need in this community that sure. we all are, are as healthy as we can possibly be. And, and being vaccinated is one of those steps. Yeah. Um, PHP was another a big influence in the Supershot area. I was with Supershot before I was at PHP, but they are one of the larger funders of Supershot. So okay. when I was at PHP, PHP actually paid me to work for Supershot. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I am strictly volunteer now on, okay. on whenever she needs me, I'm, I'm around. But it's another one of those organizations just that's close to my heart. Sure, sure. Well, obviously you have quite a bit going on. And one of the things we like to talk about on this podcast are some of those specific projects that are at the top of your to-do list, maybe taking up most of your headspace, maybe keeping you up at night, maybe making you excited, maybe a combination of those things. Um, so for the other marketers who are listening, what are some of the things they might be interested to hear that you're working on right now? Right now, well, last week, actually, I finished the our, our uh, engagement calendar for the rest of the year. So okay. I made sure that then I did it very old school. I got a pen, some colored pencils, and just literally laid out the entire plan for the rest of the year. Um, I'm trying to plan for our big fundraiser, which is happening in September this year. Uh, we're doing Last for Literacy, Funniest in the Fort again. So we'll have uh, local business leader and business people and leaders telling jokes okay, um, and allowing the public to vote on those to raise money for the organization. And then we're having our our change this year for Last for Literacy is we're going to do it at the embassy. Okay. Um, we're bringing in a nationally known act to okay. to make people laugh and raise some money. All right. Um, I'm not going to give that away quite yet because okay. the press release isn't out yet. But All right. um, as soon as that's out, I hope people will come and enjoy. And and how did you do that event last year? Was it all virtual? Last year it was virtual. Yeah. It was completely virtual. Uh, the last religiously funniest in the fort will still be virtual this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it two weeks before the event, which is September 25th. Okay. Um, and we're going to give the trophy and announce the winner on stage that night of the event. Okay. All right. So, so do you have a roster of business leaders who you already have identified? Or are you looking for ideas on that? We have a combination. We're yeah. going to contact the people who were uh, with us last year. Yeah. We've, we've reached out to a couple of them. They've already agreed. Um, so there's that. And then if anybody wants to, to reach out and they'd like to tell a joke on, on camera to help us out, that'd be great. All right. So what are the what are the limitations on, on what they can <laughs> Need to keep a, it PG. I was going to say, uh, we're going to keep it PG. A family friendly event. <laughs> it is a family friendly event. All right. Um, okay. The, the like this one's online, but we're still going to try and keep it PG. All right. Well, that rules out most of the people I know. So, well, well good. Well, My friends like, too. So, yeah. So, when you talk about your engagement calendar for the year, 
for those who might not be in a marketing role, explain a little bit about what that means. In my case, it's it's our newsletter publication timelines. It's our e-newsletter publication timelines, mm-hmm. and there are three of them now that we're that I'm developing. One is our our monthly newsletter. One is directed towards our students to give them information on our program, what's happening, give them a little. Um, update on maybe some of their classmates that have graduated to give them that extra push. Yep. Um, we have a student resource page out there that's open that has all sorts of information that could be helpful to our students. Then we have a, a donor or a uh, partner uh, newsletter that's going out that shows the impact as well, that okay. their donations, that their help is is helping. Yep. And, and I would assume social media is woven social into Social media is well. woven into that as well. And then there's a print newsletter in that as well. And and like the events are in there t- as well. Press releases, all yep. of that stuff is is mixed on this calendar. And yep. September looks really ugly, I'll tell you <laughs> now. <laughs> well, and, and one of the things that, that I really applaud you for planning ahead, because a lot of times one of the reasons organizations and individuals are hesitant to plan too far ahead of this. I'll say, well, what if everything changes? And what I always say is it's going to change, but the more you have down, the more you can be responsive to those changes as they as they happen. Has that been your experience? It has. I have a marketing plan that, <laughs> that I've written out at the beginning of the year that I know certain months I'm focusing on certain aspects of, of either, you know, um, getting the word out, the, the, the brand recognition. There's the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> yeah. The a donor spotlight. Uh, we're talking to our volunteers. We're looking for more volunteers. There's just certain there's certain things during the month that we focus on, you know, throughout the year. Sure. Um, so that gives me a general plan. Um, probably three months out is safe to say it won't change much. Yep. Uh, beyond that, it's it it is there to help. Sure. 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 Well, tell us if you will um, on the. Uh, on the the PhD side, <laughs> what what are some of the big things on your mind there? Uh, you, you're just getting started, it sounds like. But I'm I, I'm starting on July 4th of all Independence Day, so okay. like a perfectly good yeah. time to start. Yeah, uh, the week starts that day. There's is no there class that day. Pre work that you have to be doing for that? There is not. There's a there's a a get used to Blackboard thing, which mm-hmm. I have to go through, but it's something yeah. I could probably do literally asleep. So sure. that's not sure. a big problem. Well, good. That's one advantage. Um, yeah. I'm not overly hesitant about anything in the program. Truly, the the I'm always been interested in research that's that's mm-hmm. part of you know who I've always been sure um, the leadership side of it is interesting because it focuses on psychology and a lot of other issues the global factor is also interesting sure especially in marketing you you and I know that you know you can't market to Japan the same way you market here yeah, you can't sure. market to Philippines same I mean it's all the cultural sure. huge difference sure I'm guessing leadership is the same yep and trying to lead from a global perspective in the United States is going to be an interesting thing to study, I think. Sure, sure. So you've got your engagement calendar done, or at least settled. You've got your PhD getting started on that. What are some of the other big things on your mind that you're working on right now? The biggest thing right now is getting all of the the ducks in a row to get um, Last for Literacy up on the website, get all the pieces moving and get those out there. I've got to get a couple of videos shot as well. Um, for that event for with our students. Yep. Um, so I've got to do that. I've got, there's there's a couple of big rocks, but most of it's this this last for literacy is going to be my biggest thing for the next quarter. Sure, sure. And it's now June, so September is right around the corner. It and is. That's when your ugly calendar <laughs> will demand even more of your time. All right, well, Matt, the, the thing that I like to, to do at the tail end of these conversations is do what I call the speed round of the show, where we hit three things similar to what we've discussed but in a more concise fashion. And, and maybe the first is is the most interesting to me, and that's about career advice. You've obviously had a unique career path. What's your best career advice? If you were talking to someone who's a client of Literacy Alliance, if you were talking to someone who might be, you know, 
finding school to be a challenge one way or another. What would you say to people about how you find career success, how you persevere when things aren't going your way, your best piece of career advice overall? Going to get philosophical or I'm just going to keep it short. So I'll keep it short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a line from Walt Disney that always keeps me going, which is keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. No matter what, you you don't look back, you just keep moving forward. And, And everything in the past is behind you. And you should just keep moving forward. It's it's very simple, but when you think about it, it's it's also quite deep. And it if you if you think it through, you'll understand what the meaning behind it is. And and just keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I I have been known to say, let's look through the windshield, not the rearview mirror, for the for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have to occasionally glance in the rearview mirror to make sure that right. <laughs> you know nothing is gaining on you. But certainly, keep moving forward is something I think that we've all learned to do in the last year. Um, second question is about your organization. If somebody stopped you on the street and said, okay, if, you know, I don't know much about the Literacy Alliance and you only had 30 to 60 seconds to fill them in, what would you say? We help adults in Allen, Wells, and Adams County achieve their educational goals. Um, we can help them in a number of different ways and, and it's very it's very personalized to their learning experience. So that that makes us unique. It's not a classroom where everybody is taught the same thing over and over again. It's literally a classroom that is for you. Sure. And and just a, a quick question out of curiosity, how big do those classes tend to be? How many students in each Right class? now we're under 10 on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've split them up. When it goes back, we have up to 20, 25 usually. Okay. Right. And then the the last question, and this one's a little bit different. Um, I don't think you had the opportunity to warm up with this one when we last talked. But I'm asking people as we sort of emerge out of the pandemic, hopefully, what did you learn, you know, over the past 14 months that you think will stick with you as you move forward? In other words, what were some of the lessons of quarantine, of the pandemic, of learning new work skills that you think are going to stay with you for the rest of your career? I really didn't change much. I have not been out of the office a single day due to COVID. Really? So I, really? PHP, my team was mm-hmm. part of the essential staff that had to be there. When I moved to the Literacy Alliance, there was two of us in the office, but it was trying to onboard me and we had our yeah. independent offices and we wore our masks and kept our distance and all of that. So I haven't had the COVID experience that everybody else has had. Sure. Um, just in general, it's it's that change is inevitable and, and it's scary to some people, but change will always be there. Yeah. And learning to adapt and adapt without freaking out is probably the biggest thing a lot of us have learned through this pandemic. And, and we can adapt. And that's, that's you know, you have to celebrate the, the small victories when everything else is piled on your head and you don't know what's going on. Sure, <laughs> sure. And you have to keep moving forward. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this again. It was even more of a pleasure this time. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too much trouble for you to do it a second time. And congratulations on pursuing the PhD. The next time we talk, perhaps I can call you Dr. Wire. That just sounds strange still, but I appreciate you having me in again. (laughs) Well, thanks again, and thanks to everyone who took time to listen to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then. 